lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday to all of you. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. We are live and on demand, but not really all that much in demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. And you are you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, but we would really appreciate it if you guys all just switched and migrated to platforms that don't believe in censorship these days. So head over to MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Look for Steve Dace there at Steve Dace Show on Getter. And then you can also get clips of the show that are censorship free and free to watch when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. If you missed yesterday's overtime, we have made it free to watch for everyone, not just subscribers, because it was the conclusion of that talk from the German Symposium in 2014 that we let you know about uh, on yesterday's program. Make sure if you're not a Blaze TV subscriber that you go and get that overtime if you've not gotten to the end of that talk. Because as bad as it was when we were doing this live yesterday, we ran out of time before the real chilling and sinister stuff went down. All right. So make sure that uh, you go get that overtime if you're not a Blaze TV subscriber. And then, hey, while you're there at blazetv.com slash dace, become one and get a discounted subscription to Blaze TV for just $10 a month at blazetv.com slash days. Hey, if you are thinking about uh, getting in the market for a new car, your uh, a, a new home loan, a refi, um, you can see the Fed is forecasting the raising interest rates here in about a month or so. So you're like, let me get in under that deadline. Hey, before you do that, though, right now, make sure you go to our friends over at ScoreMaster to get the best credit score you can. I did this last year for our refi and it helped me to help guide me on how to get an obscenely low interest rate for the refi on our home. All right, the average ScoreMaster user in about three weeks can raise their score about 60 points because they show you exactly, not just your score, you can get that from a lot of your capital ones these days, but do they show you why you have that score? Exactly why? ScoreMaster will. And then they will show you exactly how you get to the score that you want. It takes just minutes to see where, what the plan is for you and decide if you want to sign up at scoremaster.com slash Steve. That's scoremaster.com slash Steve. All right, coming up on the program at the bottom of this hour, we will get into Pop Culture Tuesday and our thoughts on the Olympics. Are any of the three of us watching? Why or why not? And not many people are. Um, looking at the ratings, this has the potential to be the least watched Olympics in the history of television uh, on the current trajectory it is on. So we'll get into that conversation because it probably has broader geopolitical consequences as well. So we'll do that for Pop Culture Tuesday here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, Tennessee congressional candidate Robbie Starbuck is going to join us. We've been trying to get him on the show now for several months. So glad that we were finally able to align that. And then for fake news or not, I'm going to put myself up for consideration. You guys are going to get to watch the speech I gave recently at the Iowa legislature in support of a convention of states. And then uh, is that speech fake news or not? Are we fake news or not? Well, we will discuss after you watch that next hour. But before we get to all of that, of course, here is how we always begin with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. 
What happened while we were away brought to you by the exit ramp. Democrats across the country are doing their best Ron DeSantis impersonation, sometimes in spite of themselves. On CNN, high-ranking priestess of the Branch Covidian cult, Dr. Leanna Wen, had this to say. Circumstances have changed. Case counts are declining. Also, the science has changed. The responsibility should shift from a government mandate imposed from the state or the local district of the school. Rather, it should shift to an individual responsibility by the family. The White House, along with the CDC and the Department of Health and Human Services, are working on a new way to recalculate COVID hospitalizations in the country. Hmm, I wonder why. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, however, will not let you pry the mask mandates on kids from her cold, dead fingers, though. Well, the guidance is very clear, which is that we recommend uh, masking in schools. Uh, That is the recommendation from the CDC. Yesterday, it was announced California will be dropping its indoor mask mandate starting February 15th. Los Angeles has already announced it intends to remain masked up indefinitely. A judge in Illinois recently struck down Governor J.B. Pritzker's orders on mandatory vaccination, masks, and quarantine in schools. Still, some schools are ignoring the judge's orders, prompting this walkout this week at a school in the Chicago suburbs. Meanwhile, in Ottawa, Ontario, police are busy roughing up five-foot-nothing 80-year-olds who were otherwise peacefully protesting. Prime Minister Justin Castro had this to say to Parliament. Individuals are trying to blockade our economy, our democracy, and our fellow citizens' daily lives. It has to stop. Here's New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern on vaccine side effects. Side effects that people experience with vaccines, which we all have come to expect, a sign that the vaccine's doing what it should. Here's the Sweden charge from researcher Ian Miller. Cases in Germany are up 1,221% since The Atlantic reported they were beating COVID with N95 masks and vaccine passports. I wonder if we'll ever find out why the high-quality masks and vaccine passports suddenly stopped working. Gas prices are inching back up again. The national averages back at about $3.42 a gallon. Biden Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm says it's okay because solar panels will bring about world peace. No country has been held hostage to access to the sun. No country has been hostage to the wind. This is not just an energy and climate issue. It also is potentially the greatest peace plan that ever existed. Checking in on the border where this woman was picked up for human trafficking recently. Ma'am, put your feet in so we can close the doors. Okay. She's going to close the door. Stay right there before we move. And now this, a purported whistleblower named Dr. Andrew Huff, who says he was a former vice president for EcoHealth Alliance, submitted a whistleblower complaint to the office of Senator Gary Peters, alleging, among other things, that EcoHealth Alliance was working with the Central Intelligence Agency, that EcoHealth Alliance's work on gain-of-function projects in China was openly discussed among senior leadership, that EcoHealth didn't maintain adequate control measures for their risky research in laboratories abroad, that EcoHealth was working with the Wuhan Institute of Virology on gain-of-function prior to the NIAID and NIH's funding of said research, and that Peter Daszak may be an agent of China. So there's that. And finally, a word from Justin Castro, Prime Minister of Canada. 
Hey, hosers, it's me, Justin Trudeau, he, him, eh? The president of the greatest state in the U.S., Canada. This week, some truckers drove to Ottawa claiming that they're angry about a vaccine mandate, eh? I would have had the Mounties pull them over, but their horses ain't fast enough. I tell you what. But the truth of the matter is, these truckers only hate me because I'm black. That was me in college. You privileged white folks have no idea how hard it was for me as a young black man. I was a social outcast and only got invited to one party, eh? It was so hard being black that for a while I tried being both kinds of Indian. The feather kind and the kind that works at Tim Hortons, eh? But I faced more racism and hatred because some people think it's funny to mock tired, outdated stereotypes, eh? Sorry. And that's what happened while we were away. That is well done. I, I actually think the headline, the Babylon Bee just ran, Justin Trudeau demands truckers stop shutting down the city so that he can continue to shut down the city. Might even be better uh, than that video. Uh, Aaron's Montage is brought to you by our friends over at Bambi. If you are a small business owner, please Listen up. Uh, human resources issues can be your undoing. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and let's face it, human resource manager salaries are not cheap. They average about seventy grand a year. That's where Bambi comes in, just like it sounds. B-A-M-B-E-E. Bam and B. Put them together, and what do you get? A dedicated HR manager crafting HR policy, maintaining your compliance, all customized just for you and your small business for just $99 a month. And your dedicated HR manager available by phone, email, real-time chat. They'll handle everything from online onboarding to, to terminations, customizing policies for your particular business. And you know what? You can cancel anytime with no hidden fees. You can do this month to month. So if you're in a season right now where maybe you had a good HR manager and they left and you're not sure you have this the, the, the cash flow right now to replace that person or you're just getting started and you're thinking for a season, it would be nice to have this. There are no long-term contracts here. You can do this month-to-month for 99 bucks a month. You can't beat it at Bambi.com slash Steve. Get a free HR audit when you go there today. Bambi.com slash Steve. Coming up in the overtime today, we will be discussing this document that was sent to Democrat Senator Gary Peters of Michigan, who... Uh, served for many years in the U.S. military, by the way. So I wonder if that's why he was selected. But we will uh, go over this document from this whistleblower in the overtime today at blazetv.com slash dace. Let's go ahead and get to the rest, though, of what is in Aaron's montage. And, you know, the great prophet Yogi Berra once said several things worthy of quoting. But one of my favorite is, Half of this game is 90% mental. No, that's maybe my second favorite. My absolute favorite Yogi Berra-ism is when you come to a fork in the road, take it. All right? The Democratic Party in America is at a fork in the road. And we have been having this conversation on this show for the last couple of weeks. Would they take the off-ramp or not? Why or why not? And it is very clear now that at least on a several state level, you've got the, the Planned Parenthood butcheress over there at CNN. No science has changed on masks. None has. If anything, <laughs> are you ready for this? I'm just going to blow your mind. If anything, I could make an argument that masks would actually be more effective against Omicron. 
while still not being effective at all. But you know why I could make a case that masks are more effective against Omicron? Omicron primarily rests where when you are infected? In the nose. Everywhere those cloth masks around that don't work, it's much more... Why do we... Why when we, why when we get sick of them is the first thing we do is take them and put them on the, underneath our noses. Why do we do that? Because they fit much tighter over our nose than over our mouth, right? They fit much tighter over our nose than over our mouth. If anything, if anything, if I, if I wanted to concoct a complete and total scam, you know, like most of what they've done to us for the last 23 months, I could easily make a, a far more feasible case that with Omicron primarily resting in the nasal cavity, um, that masks will be more, even more effective than they weren't this entire time. <laughs> All right? No. They, they, you, I think what you're watching right now. Now, not everyone's going to go. You know, Bernie Sanders got molly whopped on Super Tuesday, right? Yeah. When they when they resurrected that when they weakened at Bernie's to the carcass of Joe Biden that that day, Bernie Sanders didn't just drop out of the race, right? Right. I mean, he was still in this thing for like another month or two, right? Yes. But even though it was clear, it was clear that the that the that the code red Order sixty six had been given. But Bernie just didn't drop out on the day after Wednesday, right? Right. He still hung around, all right, and pretended to actually be challenging for the nomination for a while, right? Mm-hmm. So you have situations like Gavin Newsom's like, all right, man, we got to get rid of these damn things. I, I got caught without a mask oh, taking yeah. a picture, with again, with Magic Johnson, and I thought I was going to get away with it until the idiot mayor of L.A. said while he was holding his breath, that's totally untenable. No one can defend that. I can't even defend that in California, so let's get rid of the masks. But the L.A. uh, public health commissioner there has said, well, we're not getting rid of our masks. Okay, so so there there were there will be some Bernie Sanders here. That will cling to this for 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 a little longer. It will be in futility, but they will cling to this a little bit longer. But I think it is very clear. And this started now about a week and a half ago when the National Governors Association met with President Biden and said they wanted out. We have now seen multiple Democrat governors. Guys, if you're getting rid, if you're the, if you're a Democrat governor in New Jersey and Connecticut, now I know these are kind of cop-outs. We'll, we'll get rid of them in March when the seasonality ends, all right? But we get that. We, we understand that that's BS. But to the base of people that they represent... There is no time to, that it's safe and, 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 and fine to get rid of my talisman. There is no time that it's safe and rare. It, it, you know, I, I know we already threw our babies into the fire to Malok, and we're still an entire year away from the next Malokian festival. But like three months later, you don't just get rid of your Malok totem. You know what I'm saying? You've got to keep that puppy on the mantle all year round. So... Get, saying and, and saying we're going to get rid of masks in the schools in Connecticut and New Jersey? With the teacher unions reign supreme, that is their fiefdom? We're going to start with that. They're taking the off-ramp. The White House will, is, is, in my view, is either okay with this or we'll just end up getting dragged into it in the next few months because there will be so much undermining at a state level where these restrictions are ultimately enforced anyway that they'll have no choice. Or they could continue the messaging that Jen Psaki gave yesterday and, and, and undo any of the goodwill 
that they might get a benefit from politically for taking the Omicron off ramp and still get annihilated in November. But I, I've been, I, I, I just, guys, I just, I knew they would not just sit here for nine and a half months and just agree to an extinct, extinction level event when they can leverage every institution they have, every messenger they have. You know who, know who hasn't been on TV a lot in the last week or so? Dr. Anthony Fauci. That's funny how that works. Right? When was the last time, other than when the Trump administration finally got smart and turned him into the stapler guy late summer, early fall of 2020, right? Can you remember the last time we went a Sunday morning with, on all the Sunday morning shows with no Anthony Fauci clips? I'll guarantee it's been since then. I'll guarantee it's been since then. If not even then, maybe Fauci was still talking to people on his side. You know, maybe he was still doing CNN hits at that time, but he just wasn't penetrating our bubble at that time. It's not a coincidence, dude. He wasn't on any Sunday shows. The butcherous of Planned Parenthood who was saying just 10 minutes ago, if you haven't been quadruple jabbed, you should be treated as an indentured servant at gunpoint is now telling us the science has changed. Democrat governors are getting rid of masks in schools. The governor of California is going to let their mask mandate expire. Just last week, MSNBC was doing segments crushing our governor for being the first to announce she was going to let our emergency order expire next week. And now, now look at where we are. Now you have to understand that not everything will fall into place right away. Bernie Sanders is going to stay in the race here for another month or two. Pretending like these mitigations still work. Pretending like he still has a path to the nomination. Pretending like he hasn't just been completely end-runned and railroaded by the machine. If for no other reason than to save face, right? I mean, if Bernie drops out like a day or two later... He looks like a freaking clown, right? Sure. So you just hang around for a while. You don't want to hang around too long because then you're kind of lingering and you look like a loser. You're, you're pretty desperate, right? But you hang around long enough, you know, um, long enough so it looks like you're still a challenger, but not too long that it's clear you're the tomato can. Fair? Mm-hmm. And that's what Bernie did, right? That's what they're going to do here. By the time we get to May, mark my words, with extremely limited exceptions, This won't be happening anywhere in America. This is is their pivot, and they're going to take it now. They have to get off now, and they recognize that. The Israeli jab data is devastating. They're not even putting qualifiers on it. We're going to be out of this for all intents and purposes. What's today? February the 8th? Okay, within 90 days, May 8th, within 90 days. And I'll even go this far, including on planes. Whether or not you're still wearing a mask to go see a doctor or not, I don't know. Um, They will still hold on to, you've got to be sextuple jabbed uh, to get, a, you know, a serious medical procedure in some places. But by and large, when you go to school or walk out of your home, Within 90 days, almost none of this is going to be relevant almost anywhere you live. Because they have to. Because it's the natural law of politics. 
It's why they had to get rid of Chris Cuomo or Andrew Cuomo. And it's why they got to do this. They have to. They have literally nothing else to run on. Now they're going to gaslight the hell out of you on the way out the door. The Politico story this morning, Biden administration seeks clarity and clarification on the true COVID hospitalization data. <clears throat> Summer of 2020 called, wants its damn data back. They're going, to get, they're going to try to get away with admitting no wrongdoing at all, having no accountability whatsoever, and memory holding this mofo faster than you can say, Vegas shooter, baby, or black nationalist runs over people in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Okay. But they're going to do it, and you're watching it happen right now in real time, and it is, yes, Miss Hatcher, real spectacular because they have no choice if they don't they're not going to just lose it will be cataclysmic it will be an extinction level event where you still own the white house but your party ranks down at the state legislature level are wiped out you have like no farm team nothing at all nothing Outside of about 12% of the counties in the U.S. They have to do this. And they know it. And you're watching them do it now in real time. The questions to me that will remain is once they pull this off and all of their media and their institutions all end up aligning in one voice. What will Republicans run on this fall? What's their affirmative agenda? Because they've not offered one. So what, what's their affirmative agenda in contrast to this? Number one. And, and then number two. Um, will Republicans be willing to run on accountability? Promises of getting to the bottom of this accountability. So this will never, ever happen again. Or will they just let him get away with it? And when I'm saying Republicans, I'm not talking about like people like my buddy Chip Roy. I'm talking about the leadership. who are going to dictate talking points and messages to 70, 75% of that caucus. Gentlemen, thoughts? Well... I, of course, we all agreed to some extent for at least politics, they are going to do this. But I, I, if we do believe in revival or bust, and I know the three of us do it, this can't be an extinction level event because their spirit continues to dominate. Their spirit trucked us for the last two years plus they're getting off but not because they lost that's a, they're gonna they're, they're gonna lose this election like unless something utterly bizarre and unforeseen happens but they destroyed us the last two years destroyed us and that's the paradox of all of this it all it makes me think of what's next because losing elections and Steve, you, you, I don't know that anybody diagnosed this as well as anybody. 
how while Obama was marching forward, they were losing seats across the nation. Yes. Yeah. In lo- state houses. They lost over a hundred, yes. I'm sorry, they lost over a thousand elections at the state, local, and federal level af- after the passage of Obamacare for the remainder of his presidency. Yes. So, so along with the things I'm curious about, uh, as you are, what will the pro- Republicans do? But those were political uh, uh, strategic analyses. But will we start playing as a people, not just a party, it has to be beyond this part. as a people, will we start playing a different game, a better game? If we just go back to normal... We're going to end up being the losers on this, not the winners. I don't know what re- I, I know what they could run on uh, an affirmative plan to run on. It's holding people accountable. Now, I don't know how you actually do that when the administration is still Democratic, but at least you could get that ball rolling. Um, otherwise... There is not a whole lot, if you're Republicans, that you can run on. Heck, just now, as you noted over the weekend, I think, Steve, just now, it's like RNC messaging and Republican squish messaging around the country is unmask our kids. Where the hell have you been for the and last that, yeah, two messaging years? Is, that's a, a year and a half you old. freaking fools. Yeah. I'm, that's the Republican Party, though. Let all the and so people now the Democrats like, are like, okay, then we will. Yeah. Then, let, all right, what's your new talking let point then? All the people who have done the hard legwork, your base who has done all of the legwork for you, just uh, let themselves flap in the wind for two years. And then finally, when it's election time, oh, I guess we'll run on what you want to, we'll say what you want us to say for now. I don't know what your agenda is going into this, into this cycle. So, um, Again, the wild card here, and it is the wild card. You may be able to say something if you're Jen Psaki or the White House or Leanna Wynn. You may be able to say, hey, the science has changed. We have defeated COVID. Everything is Gucci uh, in, in the United States and the old U.S. of A. Everything is fine here. Nothing to see here. We beat it. You good? Well, let's, just, let's move on. Let's move on. They can say that all they want. But if the average voter is still sending their kids to a school where they're never taking that mask off and they just had their 15th booster this morning, how is that how is that going to how's that dynamic going to play out? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What I'm saying? Because it doesn't really matter what they're saying in Washington, D.C. or in New York City. If you're still sending your kids, which it's on you, but if, if your kids are still being told they got a mask up, in, you know, in May. So that's still the wild card, in my opinion. This is the danger when you have no proactive agenda as a political party. And I I think I've pointed out, really, there's been one election since Reagan's second term election in 84, the historic landslide that he had, where Walter Mondale only won his home state of Minnesota in the District of Columbia, 49 to 10 electoral college sweep. There's there's only there, there's been only one election since then that you can say Republicans won that election. What did I say? Forty nine to ten. My math is terrible. My bad. Mondale had ten. Okay, Reagan had a lot more than that. Um, there's only been one election I can think of since then that I can say Republicans won it affirmatively on casting an alternative vision for the country. 
And that was the 1994 contract with America. Do you think Donald Trump beats, if, if, if we were not in a second term of Obama and they had not nominated a hag, a Dolores Umbridge-like hag, people just hate in Hillary Clinton, think he wins that election by 78,000 votes spread out over four states? It's Probably not. Likely. Probably not. Probably not. I mean, he beat a woman with a minus 30, uh, you know, favorable, minus 30 favorable by 78,000 votes in four states. Okay? So... That's the only one I can think of. Every other election Republicans have won, and they have won quite a few, has all been because of some form of Democrat fatigue, see George W. Bush 2000, or just flat out backlash. Even when George W. Bush won re-election in, 20, in 2004, it was Karl Rove putting marriage amendments on the ballot in Ohio and Florida to drive up evangelical turnout as a backlash against um, you know, the Hollywood liberal loving uh, Carrie and um, oh, who was the Rush used to call the Breck girl there, Jonathan Edwards. Right. OK, so uh, they don't ever win on anything affirmative. It's always on backlash. OK, so if we're sitting here six months from now and inflation has been is still terrible, but cut in, say, half. The job market is. For the most part. Secure. See where I'm going with this? Yeah. What's their agenda? What is their agenda? We've asked that question about the Republican Party a lot on this show over the years. Yeah. So I've made Aaron an offer he cannot refuse. I brought in one of my brand new white chocolate covered cookies and cream flavored built bars. Should All I right. grab that right now and eat it? Um, you want to do it sure. live on the yeah. air? That's a risk. But given uh, built bars track record, it's a risk I'm willing to take. All is, right. Is it a risk? It, hasn't the science you've performed by now shown that it's it just is. gravity it, basically? It, it is just, it is the science. Yes. Yes. Um, but every flavor of Built Bar is fantastic and great. Some are more fantastic and great than others. I happen to think this is one of the best ones they have come up with yet. Uh, but I'm, you know me though, um, I can't spend an entire 23 months demanding that we have a right to a second opinion when it comes to, you know, uh, COVID stipulations and restrictions and then not apply that same standard to myself. Right. All right. So now we're going to give Aaron a shot here at a second opinion. So if you want to try the white chocolate cookies and cream. What do you think, brother? I got celiac. I can't remember the last time I had something cookies and cream. This is bringing back some memories. Yeah. You know the uh, symphony bars? Yeah, I loved those. Those, yeah. are, those are cookies and cream, right? Yeah. Those, they have several flavors, but that's one of them. Whatever yeah. the Hershey's cookies and cream bar is. Yeah. This is taking me back. And it's gluten-free, too. Yeah, they, they're folks... They're phenomenal, okay? And they have so many flavors for all of your taste, all covered in real chocolate, loaded with protein, loaded with flavor, not loaded with calories. What's it say there? How many calories in that one there? 130 calories for that? Is that what it says there? Let me see here. Um, This is great. Oh, 130, yeah. That's it? 130 calories. You ever ate anything that good in your life for 130 calories? No. no. All right, and that's, that's pretty uniform across the board. So if you want to give Bilt Bar a shot... 
Today is the day, 15% off when you go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T, for built.com, 15% off when you use the promo code DACE for your first or next or next next or next next next, however many times. I think I've used my promo code like seven times now, all right? Uh, If you love banana cream pie, are you a banana cream pie person? You like that? No. No? Okay. Well, if you are, their new puff is coming out tomorrow. It's it's their marshmallow line, and the new flavor is banana cream pie. I like that... Puff product. That's a good product. So built.com for Built Bar. 15% off when you use the promo code DACE at checkout. So let's get to some Pop Culture Tuesday and talk about what is happening with the Winter Olympics going on right now in Beijing. Headline from Sports Illustrated just a few hours ago. um, NBC on track for lowest rated Winter Olympics in American history. In American history. So we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism during this segment each and every week. So let's analyze this. This is one of the biggest pop culture events in the world every four years, right? Yeah. Why, it, it, why is it crashing mightily right now? Is the answer really obvious? Because it's being held in China and they wrecked the world. Or allowed the world to get wrecked, depending on whether you think it was a bioweapon intentionally or it leaked from their labs accidentally. But they wrecked the world, either intentionally or not, right? Mm-hmm. And and now, you know, we're acting like what the Chinese are doing to a sect of, of Muslims over there right now with a form of ethnic cleansing. Um, what they do with their forced abortion policy starting March 1st. They're going to ban any discussion of Jesus Christ and the Bible over their social media networks in the country. We act like this stuff is just new when it's really been going on there this entire time. It's just it was incredibly profitable to do business with the Shycoms, and so no one talked about this stuff. But now that they've wrecked the world, it kind of seems like it's okay and fair game in more places to discuss it. So is it that it's just, I don't, I cannot bring myself to celebrate an event taking place in Beijing, China, given what the last 23 months is. Is it more nuanced in that, hey, we had the Berlin Olympics, right, in the 30s during the rise of Hitler, but there was still an idea of rallying around the flag. There was still an idea of defying a tyrant through the likes and the lens of a Jesse Owens. And we just don't... You're getting warmer. We just don't have that now. That esprit yeah. de corps doesn't exist in yeah, the culture no, any longer. Um, you had um, uh, Mike Tirico, a kind of attempt to actually do journalism, I think, in the first day of the Olympics and hasn't been seen. I, I read on... Now, I don't know this because I'm not watching like most people, but I read he has not been seen on NBC's Olympics coverage ever since. He brought up what they were doing with the ethnic cleansing there on the air. Is that is it because that sort of of, of pride, patriot, patriotic fervor, identity is gone, and we now know that uh, that most of our elites. That's why we know. That's why we remember so well Lindbergh going out and giving pro-German speeches in the thirties, because. Whether our elites liked Jews or black people in the 30s, most of them didn't, they didn't like Nazi authoritarianism or totalitarianism, right? Mm-hmm. There, was, there was an idea, that's bad, okay? That's, that's bad. Even if they might be um, 
um, racist in some of the same ways that we still are. We prefer our, our, our ways of doing it within the confines of freedom, all right, than having it imposed from on high from an authoritarian regime, right? And now we have learned over these last 23 months that, frankly, a lot of our elites would prefer we were like China. Yeah. So what do you think it is? This has nothing to do with China being the big baddie. Nothing. It uh, it has to do with everything you said after that. I guarantee you, if we were a country that was unified in opposition to what this nation did to the world, uh, either we would have boycotted this thing altogether or if we went there, we would have rallied around it hard, and this would have been the most viewed Olympics, perhaps, in this history, because we're not that people. And that's ultimately what the Olympics always is. Listen, I mean, if you are uh, in, involved in some of these niche, more niche sports or something like this, and you have a passion for that, you turn into that for that reason. And an ancillary benefit, even from the most hardened nationalist, as you end up seeing the stories. I mean, one of the greatest stories uh, of is uh, you know the, the Jamaican. Um, uh, sprinter Usain Bolt getting a chance to watch that level of charisma that level of excellence he, as an American he, he'll always be one of my greatest memories uh, of uh, Olympics but fundamentally we go to the Olympics to watch knit sports that we aren't familiar with and we tune in and we get into it because it's that flag because it's that we're all truly we're all in this together look different people we've never heard of but that's our commonality and that is utterly broken in this nation right now so why in the hell would the olympics have a chance when we aren't patriots on any level in this nation holistically ourselves it has nothing to do with china being the big baddie you bring up berlin let's talk to soviet union all of it me miracle on ice i mean my goodness this is it's a it's about that tension oftentimes that makes us go up. We'd, it's a, we'd be rooting for the Luge team in mass as appointment television <laughs> if this was a bunch of patriots and we knew it and they were unapologetic about it. But now Nancy Pelosi says, uh, don't say anything over there. We didn't, the whole Olympic team should have been like, um, Nancy Pelosi, stick it where the sun don't shine. But everybody kind of marches along and we don't want any part of that. Aaron, the, that's, that's phenomenal analysis, Todd. Aaron, the only, I don't know about you, I, I only know of one result so far in these Olympics. And that's the... Uh, and that's the woman who announced her U.S. citizenship so that she yeah. could skate for the Shycoms and finished last. That's, that's, I, I literally don't know anything else that has occurred. I don't know what U.S. athletes have or have not won. I, I don't know anything else other than that. Yep, nope, same. Uh, I haven't watched one second of the Olympics um, thus far. And uh, there are many reasons. Um, I, I think one of them might be we just had a summer Olympics. And so Americans appetite for the niche sports might be uh, might be waned right now. I don't think that's the primary reason, though. I think the primary reason is along the lines of what Todd says. See, I would love to watch the Olympics, the Winter Olympics right now in Beijing. Have you guys seen some of the the pictures of uh, the outdoor events like the, the slaloms and the ski slopes and things like that. It's a dystopian looking picture. I don't know why the Winter Olympics are in China. 
Well, yes, I do. Um, Yeah, absolutely. That's why they're, that's the only reason why they're in China. It's not a cold weather country unless you start going out towards, um, um, the, the, the the great mountain range, uh, towards the, the Southwest of the country. But, um, I would like to watch and cheer for the U S national team because it's my country. I'm not totally sure the more I see from these athletes. I'm not totally sure if the U.S. national team really cheers for their country, if you catch my drift. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's hard to rally behind that. That was the primary reason why growing up I loved to watch the Olympics, and I got into it as well because that was nationalistic pride right there. That was... That was that was that, you know that was my that was my brother you know, you know whatever yeah uh, my my um that was the commonality I, I wanted America to succeed but now I'm not sure if the people actually doing the competing actually want America to succeed and I don't know what reason you would have other than just the interest in the niche sports to watch the Olympics right now. You know, add into that too. Part of the allure about the Winter Olympics over the Summer Olympics is is what I just stated. Is seeing some of those wintry alpine scenes out outdoors. You're not getting that at all. You're getting this dystopian, a Chinese industrial hellscape uh, every single day, and that's not exactly exactly beautiful television to tune into. So, you've got niche sports. You've got nationalistic pride. And you've got maybe some beautiful scenes on the television. Um, at least that's maybe that's that's at least my 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 box checking. That's zero for three. Tell me why else I should tune into the Olympics. Uh, that was yeah. very well done, absolutely as well. And, and maybe this is. I'm not sure one man's hypocrisy is another man's compartmentalization. Okay, but when I'm when it comes to who I root for in college or professional sports. Obviously, there's a moral line, okay, that would cause me to cease rooting for somebody even wearing a uniform and a logo that I love. And I'm wearing a uniform and a logo that I love here on the show today, Mm -hmm. all right? But politically, I don't really demand where that is concerned. I I don't demand that um, every one of the starting nine for my Detroit Tigers agrees with me politically or uh, religiously or theologically when they, when they, but when they crossed the line, like the NBA did a couple of years ago, where it went right into shill mode for the shy comms instead, that then becomes kind of a red line for me. And, and, and if you're going to wear the flag as an emblem and a logo, then I do kind of, like, I don't expect the block M or the script O uh, or the script uh, the script Ohio, I mean, or the block M or you think of other, the Yankee pinstripes, iconic logos and brands in, in American college or professional sports, right? The cowboy star. That doesn't hearken up some form of a moral or political or reverential undertone. You know what I'm saying? Right. That, that 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 that's just strictly a utilitarian ex- transactional exchange of sports memories and memorabilia, um, and 
what those things may mean to me. Like the, the cowboy star means nothing to me. It means a lot to all kinds of people who are a cowboy star. The Michigan block M probably means nothing to a lot of people watching this. But if you're a Michigan or Ohio State fan, it means a lot to you. One way good, one way bad. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's all very parochial and individualized. When you put on the flag, though, as an emblem, like I'm not really offended when, my, when teams I root for wear a BLM sticker. I'm, I would be very offended by it if someone were, was wearing an American flag and they did it. Because that logo means more than, man, I remember growing up watching Bo on the sidelines and those memories and I became a Michigan fan and that's how I am to the, that's just a sporting event. That doesn't have the meaning, the transcendent meaning that that flag and those stars and those bars do and those stripes do, right? Yeah. And so they, and why do they have that transcendent meaning? Because they do hearken to a set of values. Because they do hearken to things of, of a metaphysical nature beyond just the transaction of, I, I, I somehow got attached to this team growing up. I have been ever since. And I hope they do well because of that attachment. But if they don't, it's not like my life ends. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so that goes to what you're talking about, Aaron. Yep. I don't believe, I just don't believe. I just don't believe that a lot of those athletes are Americans. At least because America is not a location. America is not a landmass. It's the Chesterton observation that America is the only country that was ever founded upon a creed. America is a creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of the pursuit of happiness. I mean, there's a headline out right now that the U S Canada and 20 other nations have signed a joint statement concerned about the crackdown against free speech in Hong Kong. Dude, what about the crackdown of free speech in your country Yeah, that you're doing to people like us right now or Joe Rogan in a more high profile case? You see what I'm saying? Yes. I, I just don't think a lot of the people that represent that logo truly represent what that logo means or is supposed to mean and still means to me. And therefore, I, I just that's why it, because in another era, I would have loved going there. Yeah, let's go to the other rival superpower and punk them in their own crib while their people are watching. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, that the, that idea would have gotten me worked up and fired up. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh, we're not missing. I'm not missing any of these events. Team USA, we're punking you in your own crib. Okay? Um, like, I would love it if, if our U.S. men's soccer team actually was good. And, and started punking the world in something they clearly care a lot more about than we do. Because I'm the ugly American. I'd start watching. I still would hate the sport, but I'm like, I just want to see us punk you. Yeah, we're America, bitch. How you like them apples? That's the era you and I grew up in. Mm-hmm. I just don't... I, I believe a lot of the people wearing those logos, or at least calling the shots of the people wearing those logos, would prefer we had a country that looked like China than the, what that logo of that flag actually means. And that's why the event means nothing to me. Yeah, it's frustrating. I'm still watching, but it's it's frustrating. Well, one man is running for Congress to try to do his part to do something about this. His name is Robbie Starbuck. He's running in Tennessee. Uh, he will join us here uh, when we come back. Stay tuned. And we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Totters, and, and all of you. 
You can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. Uh, like Steve Dace, me on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can also follow at Steve Dace Show on Twitter and Getter. You can get clips of the show for free that are censorship free at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Thanks to all of you, too, who love the podcast version. You're a big part of this audience. Please, if you have yet to do so, leave us a five-star review and or hit the subscribe or follow button on whichever podcast platform you prefer. Those things help to continue to ensure the growth of our podcast version. And and we thank, therefore, we thank each and every one of you, uh, the, the multitude of you that have done those things for us already. Thank you very much. Uh, this part of the show brought to you by our friends over at International Living. If you're thinking of buying property, whether as an investment or maybe you just need a change of scenery, hey, don't knock it to your rocket because in uh, Panama, you could be up to 10 times richer. It's a high income nation. It's not just some dusty third world country. They use the U.S. dollar as their currency. Every dollar in your bank account in Panama can be worth up to 10 times more than it is here in the U.S. Picture how much that you have in savings today what your discretionary income is today, and then multiply that number by 10. All right, you, and now you can see why more and more people are deciding on Panama as a retirement destination too. You can check out right now the American's Guide to Living and Retiring in Panama along with four videos all for free if you want to check it out at buypanamanow.com slash Steve. It's 100% free just to check it out. So you got nothing to lose just to check it out. 100% free at buypanamanow.com slash Steve. All right. So we had the opportunity or I had the opportunity uh, about a week or so ago um, to address uh, the Iowa legislature or have do an address at the Iowa legislature on behalf of Convention of States. So for fake news or not, you know, every now and then it's only fair. We put everybody else's head in the chopping block. Is that fake news or the reaction to it fake news? Why not every now and then when the opportunity presents itself, put me uh, in the crosshairs of fake news or not. So here's an opportunity to watch my speech at the legislature in support of a convention of states. And then we will break it down and comment on it for fake news or not right after that. I, uh, I always thought it would be a, a good life if, when they finally put me in the ground, demons in hell wiped the sweat off their brow because suddenly it got a little easier for them now. And then based on what Mark just said, what kind of reaction I get from Anthony Fauci, mission accomplished on that front. So I am a, I'm a relative late convert to this issue. I had discussed it, looked at it for several years, and because I'm a total depravity kind of guy, and because if I were around in the 18th century, I would have been one of those anti-federalists that just doesn't trust human nature at all and would want everything explicitly spelled out, anticipating a day like this that we now live in would come. I had questions, I had reservations about this. The whole idea of a, of a runaway convention, for example. And then I've lived through the last 10 years. We have a, a runaway presidency. We have a runaway Congress. We have a runaway senator. Um, and, and I mean, our own senator now wants your kids, the one you guys probably voted for, wants our sons maybe to go die in Ukraine for nothing. Why? On and on it goes. Yeah, absolutely applaud that. 
And then I realized the entire damn government is run away, and all they do is run me over. So at least I'll take my chances with a runaway convention when I get to show up to that, when you get to show up to that, and then maybe you can run some people over too for a change, as opposed to being the roadkill in this process the entire time. Maybe we get to go on offense for once. We are at the end of a football game. We don't know what a gender is. We don't know what a border is. We don't know what a criminal is. We don't know what a citizen is. Hell, we don't know what a doctor is right now. There is a licensed physician that used to serve in this body. His name is Dave Hartsuch. They're now sticking the medical board on him in Iowa, not California, not New York, here where we were probably the freest state in the union the last couple of years, where our governor and our politicians actually did a phenomenal job not buying into the COVID stand panic porn. And yet, you should applaud that, absolutely. I've never been more wrong about anything in my life than Kim Reynolds, and I'm extremely happy about that. So you should applaud that too. Yeah, yes, applaud me being wrong, please, yes. But my point is, I've traveled back and forth with my job at The Blaze between here and Texas quite a bit the last couple of years, and I know up here, especially this time of year, we look at Texas like a Valhalla. We've been a lot freer in Iowa the last couple of years than even Texans have been. And yet, and yet despite the fact we set the standard on COVID sanity in our state, a former state senator right now is facing a medical board. Why? Because he gave life-saving treatments to people that work, that I've taken, that people I love have taken, that I've seen hundreds of people all over the country take, and that actually work. And they work. David Hartsuch is not some neighborhood quack. He used to be in the legislature. Actually, come to think of it, that's maybe not the best argument for not being a quack, but you know what I'm saying. This is a serious individual. And yet, in a state like Iowa, if your runaway bureaucratic administrative state believes that it has the power and authority to get between a doctor and a patient when a life is at stake, if they think that here, here, what do they think everywhere else? We don't have time anymore to work the process. We don't, there is no process anymore. We don't have time anymore to vote our way out of this. Yes, it's gonna be an excellent year for Republicans this fall, but really, what have most of them done to deserve it? Other than, what did they do other than we stood here while Democrats wrecked the country? What else have they done? What is their vision? What is their plan? Outside of a place like Iowa, where we have a governor that has stood with you, there's all kinds of places like Idaho, Montana, when they see Democrats in those states. There's like six Democrats in the entire Idaho state legislature. They cannot get any of the kind of legislation we do here in Iowa passed there. In states where when they see Democrats, they call the police because they don't know what that is. They can't, they don't live as free as we do here. We can't vote our way out of this. The vast majority of Republicans that will win in November are useless other than speed bumps. 
we have to take this power back ourselves. We cannot outsource our citizenship any longer. The answer is us. It is now time. Just as we did with the retention election in this state 10 years ago, we are still the only state in American history that removed by popular vote Supreme Court justices. It's never happened before or since in this country's history. There were a lot of conservatives at the time who did not want to take part in that. It was risky. We need a constitutional convention instead. instead a group of us said, you know what, screw that noise. We're going to take the power our damn selves, and we're going to get rid of these people by popular ballot, because in Iowa, our rights we will maintain, our liberties we prize. We will do this ourselves. We made history in that state 10 years, in this state 10 years ago when we did that. It is time to make history in this state once again. We are at the end of the football game. You know, if you're behind in a game, halftime, end of the third quarter, even middle of the fourth quarter. The coach would be nuts to call for a Hail Mary pass, right? It is a risky play. Often it gets picked off more than it's caught. Most of the time it just gets batted down into the ground. The reason why we remember the Hail Mary passes that worked, like Tate to Holloway or Flutie to Phelan, is because they almost never work. When do you throw one of these plays? When you're at the end of the game. The clock will go zero. And you can sit around on the sidelines, and you can debate with you and your assistant coaches. Is this a prudent play? Will it work? What's the percentages that will work? The clock is still ticking. The clock will go to zero. When the clock hits, that is going to happen. No matter how much you pontificate on whether this play is prudent, that clock is ticking down. It will hit zero. When it hits zero, the game is over. That's it. There's no more time for any more of your prudence, any more of your planning. The game is over. The scoreboard reads, someone won, someone lost. And that's it. Culturally, that is where we are. This is the end of the game. As they said in a movie that made a little bit of money a couple of years ago, we're in the end game now. We are in the end game now. In this last 23 months, we have seen things happen in this country that we thought was for left behind books, for really bad cheesy Christian movies that even make us cringe. It was our real life. We watched children choked out with Chinese face diapers that don't work. We're watching doctors and nurses lose their jobs because they won't take a jab that with this new Omicron variant does not work. It doesn't work. We've watched them change the names and titles and definitions of everything. What's a doctor? What's a medicine? What's an election? What's a ballot? Who's a voter? We're in the end game now. The clock, while we pontificate, and the temptation when we in a state like ours, when we have a good governor and we have a good and we have a good legislature for the most part, is to say we don't need to do anything radical here. The good guys are in charge. What happens when the good guys aren't? What happens when they aren't? And as we've learned all over the country, that Iowa Medical Board going after David Hartsich, why? Where did they get such ideas from CNN? from New York, from California, from the places where the good guys aren't in charge. No, I say to the people representing us that have done a fantastic job these last couple of years, 
This is exactly why you need to vote for this. This is because, ultimately, you do believe in representing our interests. That's why you've done it. That's why you've done it well. That's exactly why you need to do one more thing. Return this last mechanism of power back to the people where the power ultimately belongs. Give it back to us. Civilizations end. That's why we have encyclopedias. Empires fall. That's why we have history books. You might be living through the last days of a superpower right now. And if it is, it's not like, frankly, much of this culture hasn't asked for it. However, we will not be a part of a self-fulfilling prophecy. If that happens, it's because it's a sovereign act of God, not the laziness of a people that were sovereign and left their citizenship at home, but instead recognized the answer is us. It is time for us to take our power back, to call this convention of the states, and then let's find out. Let's see what happens. Let's see who's better organized. I know this. You lose 100% of the, of the fights where you never throw a punch. Let's throw a punch or two. Let's see what happens because the clock is going to hit zero. It is ticking down now as we speak. When this game ends, one worldview will win, the other will lose. There will be no more time for pontifications, only obituaries. And frankly, I want the other side's worldview walking out of here on a body bag, not mine. I like politics when my side wins, not theirs. William F. Buckley used to say that he would rather be represented by 535 random names in the phone book than every member of Congress and the Senate. We're looking at how many of our churches were eager to close and not eager to reopen. Looking at how eager too many of our hospitals and medical professionals are eager to treat, treat, treat you like a lab rat or not treat you at all. Looking at how eager so many that we elect are to disregard their constitutional responsibilities, their own moral conscience. I trust the people in this room and people like you all over the country to preserve this last best hope for freedom east of Eden than I trust any of those damn elected officials. Don't take no for an answer. Demand your power back, and then when you get it, when they call this convention, you damn well better wield it. Thank you for your time. All right, so some thoughts on the presentation I just gave that the audience just heard. Uh, about a week or so ago over at the Iowa legislature in defense of voting for a convention of states. Who wants to go first? Well, I I think that's actually the first time that I've heard that all the way through because as I was trying to cut it down, I was just editing editing audio with my eyes to try to get the applause out. So you're getting my, my gut reaction here. The spirit of that speech could have been given about 250, 260 years ago. It really could have. Because the spirit of that speech is the spirit of the American Revolution. It's the, it's the, it's the spirit of the, the founding fathers. It's the spirit of the sons of liberty. That's the kind of spirit each one of us needs to have within us if we are interested in preserving what's left of America, or maybe re, rebuilding and rebirthing the America that once was. The recognition, on the one hand, 
of what liberty has done, of what taking power into your own hands has done in creating the environment that we enjoy here in Iowa. While on the other side, recognizing that even within this environment, there are still tentacles, many of them actually, of the opposing anti-American worldview. With the doctor that's on, on, uh, on notice from the Iowa uh, Board of Medicine. And at the same time, recognizing that, yes, things are good here right now, but we're relatively isolated even amongst our red state peers and that the battle is not over just because it's good in your neck of the woods. It's far from it. The entire, the entire um, sentiment, that's not a strong enough word, but you get my meaning, that it's time for us to take back the, pi- the, 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 the power. That, you know what, at this point, with the social compact broken, it's time to start throwing punches. I mean, it was time to start that, you know, two quarters ago, but I guess it's better late than never. But at the same time, never never painting a bleak picture. Always a hopeful one. If we're going to go down, let it be because of a, a, a of a sovereign act of a sovereign God instead of because of our own mouth or because of our own laziness, essentially. Again, the spirit of that speech was the spirit of many speeches that could have been given uh, prior to and, and during the birth of this country. It was very powerful. Well, thank you. Todd. I was there. Uh, yeah, the, the crowd uh, loved it. I saw uh, there was a lot of energy there. We had some protesters, and uh, Rick Santorum spoke before you, and you, uh, the audience actually related better to you in your speech uh, than to his. I mean, he, his did kind of get thrown off and chopped in two because of the protesters. Yeah, I mean, he got interrupted by yeah. protesters and everything else. That's a terrible position to be in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like how you uh, said, let's face it, we, we deserve this. Because we do. And it's important for our audiences to hear that and not just to go into uh, jingoistic mode and not remind them of their complicity in this too. I mean, those are those are patriots there. But listen, we've had groups of people show up to a lot of different things in the past and even though they're passionate in many ways of team GOP or conservative or whatever that is, <coughs> Pardon me. they've got all kinds of places in that where they pull their punches or they've got their favorites. And a lot of them, you know, there's a lot of libertarianism in there and a lot of them have bought into a, a certain fiscally conservative but socially liberal kind of thinking. And that's why I love where you itemized, Steve, on at least two occasions in there. We don't know what a this is. We don't know what a that is. And you went down a host of issues. And it's not going to be good enough if this movement has any future. And thus, if this movement doesn't, quite frankly, our nation really doesn't. Truth really doesn't. At least within the political sphere. You, you've got to care about all those things. Texas is finding out you can create a conservative Valhalla. That's what draws people in. But quite frankly, along with taking care of the people who live there and who believe in those things, social conservative is about keeping the garbage out. 
as well. Because this is how we do things here. And if you don't like it, you're going to find out in our backyard. If you try to bring Drag Queen Story out in our backyard, you're going to find out what happens. And so that convention of states notion, uh, people better be up to speed for what the real nature of the enemy is. And unfortunately, uh, in a lot of other places, I think you might not get the message that you got there from Steve. And I know because Mark Meckler uh, is a fan of this show and brought Steve in for that, you're always going to get it uh, from him. But have no illusions about what this means. You, you don't go in there and just start talking about, you know, marginal tax rates and, you know, then don't even do it. Don't even do it. This is what is a football time. And yes, it has to do. We're going to have to talk about marriage and all that stuff. And if your sense of being a conservative is far is on the libertine side, you're you're a road bump and you're going to get run over. So I love that part of the speech. Everybody there needed to realize that we are in this place because all of us have given a pass on some fundamentally important civilization things for way too long. The fear and why I put this in fake news or not. The, there are legitimate fears about this process, which I addressed in this conversation. We've had these conversations for how many years about this as a process on this show. But really, it comes down to one fear. See, what an Article 5 Convention of States ultimately shows is whether we are fake news or not. People email, so what's the plan if we have you? You are the plan. Folks, they didn't have a constitution drawn up before they got to the convention. They didn't even know what they were going to do. They tried other things, articles of confederation and other such things that were miserable failures. You're the plan. I'm the plan. People that know what is right and wrong and will act accordingly. That is the plan. The plan starts with that. And then, see, plans don't make people understand what is right and wrong and do the and do accordingly people knowing what is right and wrong and doing accordingly is what determines the plan we're the plan we are it i had a, a woman and, I, and god bless her barbara just sent me a note about phyllis schlafly's concerns about this and and the article the late great phyllis schlafly's concerns about an article 5 convention and she she gives me a link from april of 1995 Phyllis, by the way, I knew well. I knew Phyllis well. I'd been on her show several times. She'd been on this show before you guys came to work here several times. She was an early promoter of my work. I loved her. I loved her to death. When they did that hatchet job on Hulu over her a few, a couple of years ago, we had her daughter on the mm -hmm. show, as I recall, yeah. to defend her legacy. But Phyllis died on September 5th, 2016. On September 5th, 2016, and man, that's not that long ago, is it? No. Would you have conceived of a time that your children would be told that unless they choked themselves out, they could not go to a school? And that's if we... On September 5th, 2016, did you think that the conservatives would be the ones fighting to reopen the government schools? I didn't. I didn't. 
I mean, I, I, doesn't that... And whether Colin Kaepernick put cops or pigs on his cleats or not, wow, isn't that just such a, September of 2016? Doesn't that just seem yeah. like a simpler time? Mm-hmm. This thing's gone to hell since September of 2016. Let alone what she thought in 1995. In 2016, I was hesitant about this. You know why I was hesitant about this? Because I was hesitant about us. That we wouldn't allow ourselves to get outflanked. That it would, you know how it would become a runaway event if we permit it to. See, that's the thing. The convention of states as a process calls the question who are we really? What are you prepared to do? That's right. What are we prepared to do? Yes. But now we're at a juncture here where. We have no alternative. One of the positive lessons Dave taught me in between beatings is why there was so much bravery at the Alamo. Because there wasn't a back door. A lot of times we fail in life when we, be, when we go into a situation contemplating what happens if we fail. You guys have worked very closely with me now for what? Going on seven years. Mm-hmm. How often do I have conversations framed around what if we lose? What if it doesn't work? What if we fail? It's extremely rare. Oh, I, and I don't ever recall having a conversation when that was the main premise. When he comes up, it's a secondary premise to whatever we're talking about. My great fear is what if I missed a big win? Yeah. That's my fear. You want to know why... I lost 100 pounds, and then the previous times I tried it, I didn't. Because I went in there thinking that failure was an option. The previous, then the, the one time that I didn't, the one time I went in there thinking, I, you know what, I'm just blinking sick of living like this. Failure's not an option. That's it. Do or do not, there is no try. Get her done. Amazingly, that's the one time I lost 100 pounds, was doing it that way. See where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. Failure is not an option. We have been infiltrated on every side. Are you guys watching the antics of the Loudoun County School Board in Virginia? They're just carrying on with exactly what they got spanked for last year that probably won Glenn Youngkin the governor's office. We don't have a generation or two to undo this damage and systematically do our own return march through the institutions to drive people out. We, we do not. If you think we do, then you and I just have completely different reads on the moment we're in. Because we're in the end game. That's my read. Now, I could be wrong about that. I'd like to be, by the way. But I'm pretty confident I'm not. We are not a silent majority any longer. We're a completely outflanked plurality at best. We need a D-Day. We need a moment where we can reverse one mass cultural war version of an invasion to turn the tide. That's what we need. We cannot win this. We're too outflanked. We cannot do this piecemeal for 20 or 30 years. We're toast. 
We need one major offensive that would turn the tide. So to me, we have two options. The only option within the constitutional system I see is this one. It's the only radical option I see that provides the potential for that moment. The other is more trucker convoy types of acts of sabotage and civil disobedience where you prompt the spirit of the age, you call their bluff. We're not moving. All right, so are you going to bring out the military then? Are you going to show everybody your jack-booted thugs while we're rolling tape? Because you didn't co-opt all these institutions that then have to play that kind of a history, history, history role. You did it so you wouldn't have to. So we're going to gum up your works so much that you have no choice but to either back down to us or show your true colors. But those are the only two approaches we have left here. We're not voting our way out of this, and we're not going to piecemeal our way out of this. We're too broken. More in a moment. How much equity do you have in your home? Don't find out the hard way when you become or if you become a victim of what is called home title theft. Uh, it is one of the fastest growing cyber crimes in the country. And here's why. The deeds to our homes are pretty much the only document that we have that proves we are the owner. And a lot of these are kept online now. And so within minutes, a competent hacker or criminal can uh, hack into that database, forge your name off the deed to your home, make it look like you have sold it to them, refile as the new owner. I know it sounds like the plot of a movie, but this has absolutely happened to people. And I've walked through the process myself to see how scarily simple it could be to pull this off. All right. So to make sure this does not happen to you and you don't get stuck with one of the worst kinds of frauds where it could cost you a fortune. Uh, trying to make sure that you were the victim of the fraud and not the fraudster, go to HomeTitleLock.com right now. This is all they do. Uh, they put a virtual barrier around your home's title to make sure uh, that if they detect any form of tampering, attempting whatsoever, they will mobilize to shut it down when you go to HomeTitleLock.com. want to apologize. We had a scheduling snafu with the Robbie Starba congressional campaign. Um between Eastern and Central Time, so we will get we we will get him on, uh, but that's why he won't be on today. So it, it happens every now and then. So we will get that rescheduled. So I was looking forward to that conversation as well. Instead, for this segment, how about we discuss what I think summarizes the entire, really the 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 centerpiece of the culture war in the West. I think it all can be traced back to this. All right. Earlier today, I saw this tweet from Max Boot. Now, I've years ago given up on responding to these people because it's worthless, but I only did it this time because I wanted my following to see my response. He tweets out, giving people what they want may be good for business, but it's not necessarily good for society. That's why the lack of gatekeepers is a big problem. 
when I was with Salem Radio, one of the first things we did when I came on board is they brought us all out to this five-star hotel right on the beach of Santa Monica in January. So it was nice. And the final event was, it was basically corporate meetings. They wanted me and Hugh Hewitt and everybody was on the national team, Shapiro, Medved, Prager. We were all there. Um, and they wanted all of us to, um, do symposiums and round tables together and, um, get marching orders from Sean Spicer on how to shill for the Republican party better. But the last thing that they did is they brought in all the corporate VPs for Salem and program directors around the country. And, um, we announced Bill Bennett's retirement and that we were bringing Larry Elder in as his replacement. And they put us all, Bennett was the moderator. They put us all on a panel together and uh, took questions from the audience. And it was a blast. I mean, for me as a relative newcomer, you know, to be on the stage with these guys, I thought, I mean, it was really cool, you know? And uh, I remember one of the answers, I won't tell you which host it was. One of the answers he gave was, in, in relation to a question, is he said that he thinks his job is to give the audience what it wants. They asked me what I thought about that. And I said, I, with all due respect, I vehemently disagree with that. First of all, we are, at least they, they I, I assume they still do. But when I was there at Salem just a few years ago, I mean, they openly identified as a Christian media company. Therefore, I said for us as a Christian media company to go all vo populi and just always give people what they want. I mean, I don't know how we could be for that. People don't want bad things. I mean, we don't believe that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't, I don't see how, I said, I don't see how we could possibly maintain that posture and live up to our branding as a Christian media company. Sometimes we're going to have to tell the audience what you want is bad. See, I actually agree with what Max Boot says here, to a point. Giving people what they want isn't necessarily good for society. If, if people were basically good, then giving people what they want wouldn't make Larry Flint a multimillionaire, right? Right. Wouldn't turn Hugh Hefner into a household name, right? Right. Yeah. If giving people what they want was automatically a good thing, then how could we explain why a lot of people get rich being very bad or, or providing very bad content and believing very bad things, right? Right. But see, here's the, here's the, here's the sticky wicket, though, with Mr. Boots' proposition. If one mass of people cannot be trusted, what has you convinced that your mass of people can be? Or the gatekeepers? Who determines... You have, a, you have ascended to gatekeeper status. You are now unparalleled, unquestioned, unquestionable, without fault. You tiptoe between the raindrops and your dumps 
don't stink. In fact, we line up to smell them when you're done. It's called Operation Rosewater. From your rosebud. Who determines who gets to be a gatekeeper? Did they vote on that? Did you guys ever... Have you ever voted in a gatekeeper election? No. No? I mean, I've worked full-time in politics now for going on a second decade. I don't recall anybody covering, a, you know, candidates for gatekeeper. You? No. No? Do you major in gatekeeper? Now, I'm not the one to ask, man. I, I tried majoring in Super Tech Mobile, Party Balls, and living in Wonders Hall, Michigan State's only co-ed dorm. And... All the unfortunate trappings that went along with that, which is why I'm not a Michigan State grad. So you graduated from college, right? I did. All right. Did they offer there? I mean, at a very progressive school there, you're wearing the W, right? Yeah. At UW-Madison, did you guys, could you major in being a gatekeeper there? Yeah, it's called the journalism school. I <laughs> know. <laughs> come on now. Did they, did, were you allowed to major in gatekeeperism? No. There's no, now if there was ever a degree that you'd give a BS in, it would be gatekeeper, right? Sure. But could you get a BS or a BA in a gatekeeper? No. Weird. So then who determines and selects the gatekeepers? And why are you under the assumption that I wouldn't possibly be tempted by, driven by, ruled by the same passions and desires and temptations of those whose gates I am keeping? God calls leaders to be watchmen on the wall not gatekeepers. Herein lies the rub. And it's why we have to be very careful in response to this. I used to make this point when when Ron Paul was kind of ascendant on the right about a decade ago. Are we trying to relitigate the American Revolution or the French Revolution? Because there is a difference. And even though Ron and his base changed my mind on a few things, for sure. The one thing, though, that always stopped me from becoming a full-fledged devotee is I heard too many underpinnings of the French Revolution and not the American Revolution. We cannot beat this with vo populi. We can't beat this with nationalistic pride. By the way, those things aren't inherently bad. You and I were just lamenting last hour how we missed the nationalistic fervor of the Olympics of our youth, right? Mm -hmm. That it meant something as an American, right? Right. All right. But but they're not inherently bad, but they can inherently become idolatrous. They can become idols. There's a missing ingredient here. Because if, if we try to fight elitism and globalism with vo populi and nationalism, essentially we end up boiling this down to one mob versus the other. That was tried in France. The elites were toppled by vo populi. They tried to burn down the, temp- the, the, the cathedral of Notre Dame. 
they burned incense there to the to the goddess of wisdom and that was in between their reign of terror with guillotines see the bible comes along and says you know god is no respecter of persons there there is no special honor in you because you are poor because you are poor you don't get some benefit of the doubt of the person who's rich we don't suspect that because you're poor that you just aren't as temptable. Then it says to the rich person, you know, we don't just assume because you're rich that you've evolved beyond your frailties. We don't assume either. Bible says if someone steals for you from you, but they do so because they're hungry, you're not angry at them because they're starving. That's what it says in Proverbs. It says that. Funny thing is, though, verse doesn't end there. You know what the next next line says? But the person who stole from you still has to pay back restitution. I think it's like four times what they took. Still must make restitution. Meaning that you're not personally embittered someone took food from your table because they're starving. You're not. You get it. Hungry people need want to eat, right? Mm-hmm. But are you allowed to steal from people because you're hungry? So no. stealing is suspended now because you're hungry. No. No. See, this is, the, this is the formula that the American Revolution figured out. It looked through history and realized. Tyranny doesn't work, but it tends to work longer than vo populi does. Why? Because vo populi descends into mob versus mob, passion versus passion. What would elevate us above our passions? What would elevate us above our base craven desires and temptations? Better yet, whom? And this is where God comes in. This is the missing ingredient. See, there must be a referee. We're not any better than the elitist who did this to us the last 23 months. We're not. In fact, it was our own complacency. It was our own sloven laziness that allowed them to get in position to do this to us. We're really not victims. We're table setters. It is almost perfect that our guest didn't work out because this is the perfect companion segment to what we just talked about uh, with your appearance at Convention of the States. This is the point I was trying to make. You are way over the target we're not the tr- those truckers aren't any better people they all need a savior they're all sinners and they're all those truckers that we all rightfully support if they do not repent of their sins and seek the only atonement of god that is sufficient they will all go to hell right next to justin trudeau say hello for me don't ever lose sight of that amen And Justin Trudeau is not any any further off from Jesus than a man called Saul of Tarsus, Tarsus on his way to condemn, arrest, and murder Christians who encounters a resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus. And now becomes the Apostle Paul, who goes from the prideful Jew of Jews who would never dare intermingle with those nasty, uncircumcised Gentiles. God's like, I do have a sense of humor, brother. You're going to be the Apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, you're going to hang out with Gentiles so much that when you go back to Jerusalem, your fellow Jews are going to think you sold out. You're going to take a Nazarene vow to convince them you didn't become a Gentile yourself. 
That all happened, by the way. See, there has to be, there must be a standard. And it has to be a standard that comes from beyond and above us. We cannot be our own standard. Vopopuli mobs, history has shown, are just as capable of tyranny as one megalomaniacal king. Why? Because we're all tyrants in our hearts. Or we'd like to be. Don't ever fall for, because someone has a certain station in life, they just wouldn't succumb to what those other people would. That's the actual ideology we're fighting against. Our elites haven't turned to tyranny and totalitarian authoritarianism because they became elites. It's because they turned on God and viewed themselves as God or above him. That's why. I grew up in a home with a ready-mix driver and an assembly line boat builder, construction worker, Teamster union supporter, Marlboro smoking, Budweiser drinking, every man, vote populi you could imagine. And he was a freaking tyrant. He didn't learn that at no college. The only thing separating us from them and them from us is him. We cannot ever forget that. The reason we are the longest surviving experiment in all of human history in freedom and self-government is because we began with the statement that we're created in the image of God and God is where our rights come from. Period. That's why. Godless will not cast out godless. Zero times zero is still zero. We're not better than them. We just still fear and worship him. John 3.17 This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.